0: 7 to 8 p.m. Sport on with Tabiso Musia.
1: Thanks, Greg. Good evening. Welcome to the show. I am Tabiso Musia. Luyolom Kalipi is the producer and uh, Sylvester Kumane is with us in technical this evening. Tonight on the show, we are going to educate ourselves a little bit here. We're going to talk about the rise of... Of esports, the evolution of esports, as some uh, call it. You might remember a couple of weeks ago, we spoke to the MD of Nielsen Sports in Africa, Middle East, and uh, Asia, Mr. Calvin Watt, and he was telling us about this new phenomenon called esports, where people have become highly paid professionals by playing video games. Uh, he's, he told us that it is now a, a multi a million dollar industry. Players are becoming rich by just playing video games, and uh, the corporate has seen the gap here and sponsored are coming in and you might have seen that there is a TV channel now also here in the country dedicated to esports to gaming there are various tournaments held around the world I remember actually one that I came across in in, in a story uh, where the prize money I think was a million dollars there's also a local team based here in Johannesburg and we will speak to the team uh, and and, and to the founder of the team and some of the players just to understand more about this phenomenon called esports and this evolution called eSport. It is unbelievable from the stuff that I have read here. Is it even a sport, firstly? I think that's the first question we must ask them. Is playing video games a sport and do they consider themselves as professional athletes? We're gonna educate ourselves tonight, as I said. If you wanna join in the conversation at any time, feel free to call in on 0891-104207. SMS four zero nine three eight or WhatsApp number where you can send voice notes and WhatsApp messages 61 It's hashtag SAFM spot on but before all of that we're going to speak to former Bafana Bafana striker Phil Masinga. now this is on the back of Tamsanga Gabuza's antics when he left the pitch after throwing his jersey at the supporters leaving Orlando Paris to play the rest of the game with 10 men against Black Leopards this week and uh, the reason we've put a call through to Big Phil is because he was also on the receiving end of the boo of of, of the boo boys, and we understand how did he handle it how do you handle a situation like this Phil Masinga Good evening and thank you for joining us on SAFM.
2: Evening to, and evening to the listeners as well.
1: Phil, I mentioned that you were on the receiving end of the Boo Boys a number of times. Firstly, what did you make of Tamsanga Gabuza's antics this week when he left the pitch?
2: It, it was totally disappointing and, and uh, uh, to think that uh, uh, he wasn't playing that bad. Like, uh, I saw him scoring a couple of goals. If... He could have played the whole game. Uh, and uh, the way, actually, uh, he conducted himself. I mean, by throwing a, a, a jersey of the team, uh, if it was in Europe, supporters will go mad with him. You don't throw the jersey. You must appreciate it.
1: Mm. and actually the Black Leopards coach said after the game that he thought kabuza was the most dangerous player for Orlando Pirates and he was shocked by what happened so is that behavior acceptable is it unacceptable Phil singer
2: I think you had a question
1: I'm saying is the behavior of Tamsunga Caboza acceptable uh, is it unacceptable or is it acceptable is it understandable <coughs>
2: Unacceptable. I mean, uh, you, you can't behave like that. I mean, you, you, I, I look at Gaboza, uh, I see him as a senior player in Paris, and he, he must be uh, teaching other young players at Paris that how to take pressure uh, as a senior player. I mean, uh, football is not for uh, hard fated people. You, you need to be strong and then take any pressure that comes your way.
1: And how he says the abuse from the supporters got to his head, and that's why he walked off the pitch, did the unthinkable. Uh, How did you deal with the criticism you received, Big Phil? And what's the best way to deal with it?
2: I'm saying this uh, uh, not uh, uh, condoning the supporters from continuously uh, pulling a player while he's still playing. I mean, they need to give him a chance if they have uh, uh, to criticize him after playing. Let them criticize him, they must allow him. To uh, prove himself, because uh, uh, he he ends up uh, losing confidence. I mean, the the product he could have scored, uh, the second one that he missed. uh, I I, I think it was a lack of confidence because he was worried: is he going to be a goal or not? Because he was way forward to the the defenders of Black lepers and then he just had to have composure and choose the spot. But uh, you know, <clears throat> sometimes uh, it, it gets so hard, and uh, you, you, you've got your teammates as well that you play with. Uh, your teammates must help you because they are, they understand that what you're going through, and they know that what you're gonna get as soon as you start playing, and they must be behind you. My, myself, when I was in the uh, uh, Bafana Bafana Chelsea, or Bafana Bafana team, uh, my teammates were always helping me. Uh, the coach was always helping me, and the coach will always tell me that I'm going to pay you despite the fact that you know they're going to pull you. I'm going to pay you. I, I picked you not because I'm making favour for you. I picked you because I think you, you are one of the best strikers in the country. Then go out there and do your best.
1: And and how do you respond to that? I mean, you scored the goal that took us to the World Cup 1998. Is that the best way to report, to respond, to ignore the criticism? Can you even ignore the criticism from the supporters because we're all human after all?
2: No, no, it was even before the, uh, the, the, the that game uh, uh, against DRC, mm. uh, Congo-Pazaville, actually. Uh, at the beginning of qualifying, World Cup qualifying, qualifying for 1998, I played most of the game having a problem with my supporters, booing me, and then in each and every, most of those games, I was scoring goals. Mm. But probably the one that uh, 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 wrapped the whole thing it's the one that has got to uh, 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 to qualify.
1: Mm. And having said that, I mean, um, do fans have a right to criticize players when they are not performing?
2: Yes, I mean fans have got the right to criticize. We are, we are in a public domain, and uh, uh, people that uh, you're entertaining have got the right to say uh, uh, he's playing well. No, uh, no, 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 he's not doing that uh, that well. And you know what? You just have to do. You keep on trying to improve all the time. I mean, that's what we were taught. Uh, and then while we were still young, I remember one game I played that was only 17 years or 16 years, yes, playing for a team in the National Reservation in Northwest. I, I played it the whole game crying because the supporters were doing me. And then my t- I wanted to go out. My teammates said, no, 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 you don't go out. I scored still crying. mm mm-hmm.
1: And many people have been saying, Phil, uh, that he needs to see a sports psychologist. They need to come in here. Uh, did you ever receive professional help in your career for, this, for, 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 for being booed?
2: No, no, no. no. I didn't get any uh, uh, professional help, but uh, I, I would commend it as well. Because, uh, you know, when I, 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 I was overseas, in Gary, especially, uh, we always had a psychologist uh, before the beginning of the season. And then when things are not going well, and they'll always call him to, cap, to come and help us uh, to pick up. And you know, after losing three or four games, normally there's, uh, the spirit goes down and they'll bring him in to come and help us to uh, rejuvenate us. Mm.
1: And finally now, um, can this relationship with Gabuza and the supporters be fixed? Is he the only one that can fix it by, by scoring goals or is the apology enough?
2: Ah, maybe it was good for him to apologise, but uh, it is still going to be a mountain to climb uh, to, con- to convince um, uh, some of the supporters uh, through the way he conducted it himself. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a hard one, but uh, I think it's a man he must go out there and uh, try to to do things right. I mean, uh, we had a player like uh, David Beckham after the World Cup in 1998. And the supporters in Manchester United were booing him. He overreacted against the supporters. And they kept on booing him. But the only thing that he knew he was supposed to be doing is to do well in the pitch. And then he started playing well. And then everybody started begging him up.
1: Well, Big Phil, we thought we should just get your views here because you've been in a situation like this, but you've bounced back and you're still bouncing back strongly. And we just wanted to get insight from you. And thank you very much for being able to find time to speak to us on SAFM. Thanks a lot, Thank you, Big Phil. Keep while waltzing Masinga. That's what they used to call him at Leeds United, of course, a former teammate of uh, Lucas Khadebe. And hey, I should have asked him about that story that he was the one that Leeds wanted to sign, and Khadebe was supposed to be there to keep him company. But he also went to go play in Italy, uh, Big Phil Masinga, and also represented the country, of course, very well numerous times. And uh, the, the, those are the wise words from him, or well, that's the insight from Phil Masinga about how this situation should have been handled. Up next. Next, we're going to talk about the evolution of esports. For the story behind the action, catch Tabiso Musia weekdays at 7 pm. Okay, let's move right along now because there is so much reaction to uh, the Phil Massinga interview and if I start reading that reaction, it will not uh, stop. A lot of people seem to agree though with uh, Phil Massinga uh, saying, gone are the who's this Mango, but gone are the good old days. You did us proud, uh, big Phil. Um, Shengu says, the players are human too. Brigade will say Phil is talking rubbish whereas he's talking from experience. Uh, Roxino says, instead of throwing the jersey, he would rather turn it and bring the number to his chest. That's what Phil Massinga are used to do sipo says as human we handle pressure in different ways some are not able to take too much but i'm glad gabuza apologize and coming to the supporters let's not expect players to be supermen and somebody said amen you know that amen I that they say in courts are not amen. Amen. I Filma singer has spoken, and that is case closed. But now let's talk about esports. Let's talk about the rise of esports. I've got a couple of gentlemen here with me um, in studio to help us understand what has led to this phenomenon and what is this esports about. Alvin, I'll start with you. Uh, you are the MD of White Rabbit Gaming, is that correct?
0: Yeah, that's correct.
1: Tell us what is White Rabbit Gaming, firstly.
0: So we're a multi-gaming organization, or MGO for short, and uh, what we basically do, we create an environment for players to actually focus on developing their, their skills in in e- sports or, ge- or e- competitive gaming, if you want to call it that. And uh, yeah, then we just give them that environment and, and help them to make the best out of uh, their careers that they can.
1: When was it formed and who makes up White Rabbit?
0: So we formed in 2008, actually as a casual as a casual bunch of guys that uh, that just played games and in. With the development of esports over the world, we decided in 2015 to register as a as a business, and since then we've uh, we've run it as a business. So we've got um, four business partners. It's myself, a guy named Martin Bierkus and Wayne Edwards, and then Ashley Groves, who's the fourth director.
1: I asked you this off air. Let's just clarify it because people could be as confused as me. What is the difference between esports and gaming?
0: so esports is the competitive side of it Uh, that's where um, you you play in certain tournaments you play against one another Um, usually there's quite a bit of money involved in it as well and then gaming is just just casual gaming so uh, i think majority of people are gamers in some way or another whether it's on your phone whether it's um, a first person game or rpg or whatever that you play on your computer it's just something that you do for fun and to unwind so with white
1: rabbit gaming you are basically a club owner
0: Yes, is correct. that what you are? Exactly, we're players. Exactly, we like the we like the sharks of uh, <laughs> you know for gaming.
1: <laughs> well, you're dressed in black and white like the sharks of gaming. <laughs> so, so what is the responsibility of the players? What what are their jobs? What do you expect from the players?
0: So, we expect f- um, them to give their best. We um, we meet with them fairly often. Um, where where we just chat about you know what we can do, um, where we want to go as a team, and uh, what what their responsibility is is to ensure that they've got enough practice hours to. Um, to actually perform at their best, so make sure that they get enough rest, that they um, that they spend enough time competitive, uh, uh, playing competitively, and then just making sure that they they fit and ready for for the next big competition that they need to play in.
1: And why did you decide to invest in this along with your partners, with your f- co-founders?
0: We actually had a look at uh, at well, first of all, all of us are gamers. Okay. So ex- ex- except the one guy, he's uh, he's an accountant, but uh, he's he, he loves watch ga- watching games and actually the whole dynamic around it and we've converted him recently. But uh, <laughs> what we what we actually had a look at is how esports was growing um, over the world. And I, I was an avid uh, StarCraft watcher. Okay. So we really enjoyed the hype around that when you watch tournaments like DreamHack, ESL, all of those massive tournaments on... Um, where the players play, and we just decided that, you know what, we want to create the same environment in South Africa where uh, the players actually get all of that status, you know, they they develop their own groupies, their own following, and then also drag all of those people into one central place, like a stadium or whatever, where people literally just go and cheer on their favorite players and their teams to support them in playing games.
1: There has to be a return on investment, though. What is it? Not currently. <laughs> Not currently. What are you hoping uh, to achieve?
0: Look, uh, we we're doing this for the passion. That that's literally the first point um, why we why we established it. We um, we want more people to play games. Uh, the um, the health benefits from gaming is actually it's it's incredible. Um, it reduces stress. It improves hand eye co- hand eye coordination. Um, there's a company called IFTF, Institute for the Future mm-hmm. owned by a lady called Jane McConagill. Um, that solve massive complicated, like health issues, world problems, using gaming principles. And um, our long-term aim is, is obviously to be established as a, as a proper club um, or as a proper entity, similar to what traditional sports are following. But the industry is quite new at the moment. Very few brands and people are, um, or should I say non-endemic brands to the industry, are actually keen to to get into the industry um, and into esports. And I don't think it's going to be long, but but the main aim is to actually just grow this and have more people get to tournaments and hopefully one day fill up a lot of a lot of the stadiums in SA. And
1: well, I think you've answered Gideon Mapanga's question on Twitter here. We wanted to know what are the benefits of e-gaming. Before we get to the players, what are the challenges? Um, are you facing any challenges at the moment um, here in South Africa? Is it different?
0: Um, look, there's always challenges. I think in any industry that you're in. Um, currently, our biggest challenge is just um, just getting more people involved in the industry. Currently, the tech brands, all of those guys are really involved. A lot of them. Um, I mean, this is the 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 environment where they play. But um, I think the other, other challenge is actually getting other brands involved, so the non-endemic brands. But I think the question on everyone's mind there is, well, how do we get involved? And then secondly, um, you know, what, what is the return for us gonna be on that, the typical business questions? But I, I would say that's probably our biggest challenge at the moment is getting the bigger brands involved to show that there's, that there's proper traction. Because I think as soon as that starts happening, you're gonna get a lot more um, involvement from other people, um, parents start buying into it, etc.
1: Okay, let's talk to some of the players here. We've got Wesley Rose and Gavin Nelson, right? Hello. hello. <laughs> Are you guys athletes? Do you consider yourself as athletes? Or who's going to. Okay, who's going to. Please introduce yourself and, and just your title because there's a Dota 2 Captain White Rabbit Gaming. There's also CSGO Captain. Right. Just please introduce yourself.
3: Hi, I am uh, Wesley Rose. I'm 25 years old and I uh, play a game called Dota 2 for White Rabbit Gaming.
1: Are you an athlete?
3: Yes, I would consider I am. I'm a mind athlete. And not only that, um, in my past, I've been an actual athlete when it comes to rugby and, and such. So, yeah.
1: So, what does a professional gamer do, Wesley?
3: Well, I play the game professionally, uh, <laughs> to put it bluntly. Okay, so I play this game like it's a job. I sleep, breathe it. I I just play it as much as I can Uh
1: And what does it take to be a pro
3: in this industry? It takes uh, a a lot of skill, a lot of hard work. Um, There's some sacrifices for sure. Being in South Mm. Africa, it's not as a developed scene. So there's naturally going to be sacrifices when it it comes to that.
1: And what are you hoping to achieve?
3: Um, I'm hoping to be the best in the world, you know? Uh, Play on the biggest stages for the biggest prize pools. And yeah, much like any uh, sports amateur sport player
1: Kevin. please introduce yourself also and in, in your title hello my name is gavin olsen i'm also 25 and i play csgo so um how does it work i want to understand do you play different titles let's say i'm good at fifa Oh, I'm good at Don Bradman Cricket. I really am good at Don Brad- Bradman Cricket. <laughs> do I now choose to play Don Bradman Cricket as a pro, or do they tell you what to play? Do you have to teach yourself a game? How does it work? Well, there's a
4: few limitations when it comes to eSports. Like a few titles, you can make it as a professional game, and in other titles, there's not that background to be able to like make a living from it and stuff like that. So there are limitations.
1: Are you making a living out of
4: gaming? sorta of, yeah <laughs>
1: and when did you realize that you could actually make sort
4: of a career out of this well i i always played played rugby and cricket at school and then i picked up games purely for the sake of the competitive aspect from it because when i started playing it i was like holy this is like my adrenaline and everything is like pumping and that's how i kind of got into it and then i would say in call of duty i achieved some some feats like i played for bravado and energy and that's when i Kind of came to the conclusion that i am uh, actually like pretty good at these games and then call of duty kind of died out and i started in CSGO go and it was it was a grind i'm not gonna lie like i started from the bottom worked my way up and then yeah, you know, through time and dedication i ended up in a top tier team and like now i'm just like grinding still so
1: so i understand kelvin was telling us this when he was here that you you they house together they stay in a house and all they do is just I don't want to say play games because you, you're professionals, but all they do is practice and play and practice and play. Take us through a normal day. Well, my,
4: my day differs from Wesley somewhat. <laughs> okay. So when I wake up, I'm still like, I look after my health and stuff. So I still go German stuff and I eat well. And then I'll come back. I'll watch like a few demos and study our teams like gameplay and CS. Then I'll work on my own individual skill in CS. And then after that, we play scrims against other teams. that's kind of like my day. And and Wes? Um, (coughs) I'm a
3: bit more unusual. I would say (laughs) my day would start by waking up at 5 p.m. And uh, I would eat, have supper, and then I'd go into practice straight away with my team for about four or five hours. After that, that's when I start my individual practice. And the nice thing about uh, Dota 2 is that The time doesn't matter. You can play. You can always play and practice, no matter what the time is. So I'm uh, sitting there from 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. just practicing my skills and playing the game. Yeah.
1: So, so do you play in the league? Do you play online? How does it work?
3: Um, There's various leagues and tournaments that are out there for you to play. Uh, They're all in different formats. Uh, Yeah.
1: Uh, Gavin, you spoke about. um, I don't know if you said you go to gym. But yeah. but how big is the physical part of it when you when you are playing when you are a uh, esports athlete?
4: Well it's it's kinda hard to say because everyone's different, but for me personally, if I don't like look after my health and I don't like training stuff, like i f- I start feeling like more sluggish in my mental like fortitude like dimmers a bit, so I don't know um i would say physical it's not too much but i, I urge people to like look after their health because it does improve your like actual in in-game skills as well
1: is the pressure on you guys since there are people that are investing in you to to do this professionally how's the pressure what are you judged on i mean
4: yeah for my team there's a bit of pressure since we fairly like new into this org and uh, there are goals that we have to meet so in order to achieve those goals, like we have to put in a bit more time and stuff. So, yeah.
3: I feel like, um, much like any athlete, there's always gonna be pressure there because mm. you want to push yourself to the limits. You want to do the best you can do. So for for myself, there's always this pressure to do the best I can do.
1: Yeah. Well, if you've just joined us, we are talking about the evolution of esports. We are trying to understand uh, this rise of esports in South Africa and, and internationally. As I said, we've seen it on TV now. There's a channel dedicated to it. There are tournaments that are played uh, worldwide, and uh, people, are professionals now, they're professional athletes. And if you have any questions, uh, you can always uh, tweet us, S A F M Radio, or you can call us on zero eight nine one one zero four two zero seven, SMS four zero nine three eight. Our WhatsApp number is zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. We'll Continue after this quick break. Call
2: Tabiso now, 0891
5: 104 207.
1: Let's have the conversation at SFM Radio on Twitter. Okay we are back talking about wow. the rise of uh, e- of the evolution of esports. sports uh, there is a question here let me just find it let me just find it quickly here it is from nosito on a twitter who wants to find out how many teams are there in south africa alvin how does it work here in south africa can you do you play against local guys or do you play against international guys uh
0: that's that's a good question we th- there's actually a lot of teams in south africa i think in excess of about 500 teams um, that's if you look across different titles. In terms of uh, in, in terms of teams, you actually need to look at it from an organizational point of view. Um, so from an MGO or the multi gaming organization point of view. From that point of view, there's um, in in one of the leagues that's uh, that's played the VS Gaming League, which is probably the most well-known one at the moment. There's about um, there's eight eight or ten masters teams, uh, which which is pretty much your top echelons, and then after that you get uh, you get your premier division, which is um, which is also about eight or ten teams, and then you get your first division, your second division, open division. So very much like normal sports. Um, in terms of where we get our practice from, a lot of the practice comes from the European teams for the Dota team. So they, they play against a lot of the European teams. And then for, for Gavin and, and the CSGO team, they, they play a lot of um, a lot of local, um, scrimming against other teams. We also have an Overwatch team. We've also got the League of Legends, PUBG, all of that. And, and a lot of that is also overseas, um, playing on those servers.
1: And what are some of the major tournaments uh, here and overseas?
0: Major tournaments, uh, VS Gaming. The VS Gaming is, is the biggest one. They've got the Masters and the championship, which uh, which which actually culminates on uh, 14 to 16 September with Comic-Con coming up. So okay. we'll be playing there. And then there's also Metal State. That's, uh, we just finished the Dota tournament there. Um, they host CSGO. Um, there's a Call of Duty tournament coming up. Uh, Arena also hosts Fight Nights um, with like Street Fighter and things like that. Um, yeah, those are pretty much the biggest ones, guys. Am I missing anyone?
4: Mm-mm. Well, for CS, is ECA and and then, WSG for Dota and CS as yeah, well. Yeah. Like forgot about in that International one. qualifiers. So, yeah. yeah. That's on pretty twi- much it.
1: On Twitter, Loyuso wants to know, is, is, is FIFA one of the titles that's considered um, as one of where you can play professionally?
4: Yeah, definitely. Actually, in South Africa, it has the largest prize pool. Like, if, if you had to win FIFA, uh, I know VS hosted. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was
1: about two or three months ago. Yeah, I yeah, remember yeah, there was yeah. something. And if, yeah. if
4: you win that tournament, you as an individual get 500,000 rand. No so. way. Yeah,
1: in south yeah, africa that's crazy yeah. Yeah. yeah i think uh was it a 16 year old there was a 16 yes,
3: yeah. 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 yes. Sub- yes. is. so
1: that boy got half a million yes yep, <laughs> you know, let's find out where he stays and <laughs> where he goes to school eh? um there's uh, another question here oh gosh let me just get my twitter uh from uh from batembo who wants to know at what age does one start becoming part of a team
0: it can actually be any 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 age um one of the youngest players that we've that we've picked up so far was uh, was 14 years old. Um, so then you just need to get parental consent as well. But I think what is great at the moment is that a lot of parents are realizing that their kids actually have skill. And as soon as they see the organisation is legit, and you know they invest in the player, you know they they pay for his flights, his accommodation, they look after him, and make sure he's fed well, et cetera, Then they're quite willing to um, to actually invest their time there as well. But I would say anything from between 14 to about to about 1617 is where the peak um, comes, where a lot of people actually enter that competitive environment.
1: And then, when do you realize that they've got talent? How do you know?
0: No, you you can see it um, usually when you go to tournaments uh, and you, or any 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 of these uh, land land events or whatever. You you just have a look at some of the teams playing against one another, and you can you can clearly see it mm-hmm. that there's one or two players that stand out and what they call carry the team moving forward. Ah,
1: the other question is, how does scoring work? Does it does it differ according to the game that you play? How does it work?
0: Well, yeah. Um,
3: in Dota Two, the scoring would be the amount of kills that each team has. So it's a let me just go into Dota Two a bit. It's a five versus five game. So you each player controls a character within the game, and uh, it, during the game you kill another opposing player's character. So. <laughs> Yes, you eliminate the competition. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah, but yeah, scoring does differ. Like every title, every game, it's has a different like scoring system. So yeah,
1: and then um, Llewellyn <laughs> wants to know: Can you specialize on more than one gaming title? Yeah, definitely. I think so. Yeah. Is it wise to do that, or do you rather focus on one um, and then see how far you go? If you there? really
4: want to make it, I'd say focus on one. But if you want to keep like your options open and you want to see kind of like in what direction you want to go, I'd say like. Play
1: multiple yeah yeah alvin how's the landscape here compared to the international scene
0: um okay in in terms of what what, or, what element
1: or just or no actually let me put it this way explain to us how big is esports um, internationally
0: esports internationally if because i've seen
1: um, stadiums are packed i've seen yeah. these guys are followers mm-hmm. yeah. they've got fans
0: the Dota International just finished. Um, it finished last uh, this weekend, past now, which is the biggest Dota 2 tournament in in the world. Prize pool was twenty seven million dollars. Um, yeah, uh, twenty seven million dollars. No so, way. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot like of money. Play,
1: that's more than playing golf. Mm.
0: <laughs> it's it's actually the the biggest tournament. It's bigger than than golf, um, American football, and basketball. All of those three major events put together. So that's that's your prize pool that you're looking at. And uh, in terms of the the scene, how does South Africa compare to that? Now you've got your developed markets um, like North America, Europe. You've got Southeast Asia as well. Those are the guys that's been doing this for a long time. But when we were in China um, in March this year for the World Esports Games, we actually I spent a lot of time with one of the international teams, uh, one of the guys from Virtus Pro, um, and. By gaining a lot of that knowledge that he shared, I realized that we we're actually not that far behind. And Calvin uh, would have told you as well that mm. we are currently busy um, from a Nielsen point of view to actually um, collect data mm. on and comparing that internationally. And when we look at a lot of that data and comparing it to developed markets like um, like Europe, like North America, we're, we're not that we are behind, but I mean our market generally is behind. But we are growing at the same pace, and we're going to catch up a lot quicker, which is very exciting.
1: Calvin is on the line. We're going to go to him uh, shortly. Uh, so, if it's a twin, if there's a tournament for twenty-seven million dollars, who sponsors this tournament? Is it the tech companies? Is it is it the guys that develop the games that put money behind these competitions?
0: It's actually a super clever way of raising funds. So they've um, <laughs> so the the publisher is is is, is, is um. Um, what what they would usually do, Valve, is they would um, they would launch what they call the compendium. It's a virtual playbook almost, mm-hmm. and then you can buy um, character skins. Um, so it's just a different appearance for your character that you can buy, um, and then 25 percent of all of those funds that get raised actually goes into the prize pool um, for the event as well. So, so yeah, it's completely uh, crowd funded. Yeah, oh. correct.
1: And and who are some of the leading nations when it comes to esports? Where do the top players come from?
0: Yeah, there's there's quite a few. I mean, uh, Russia is, is 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 quite an important one. But uh, if you if you look at Europe in general, it's it's a, it's very very strong. Um, I think from a CS point of view, North America is, is really really strong as well. South America's got amazing teams as well. As I mentioned earlier, Pain Gaming as well. Um, they're very good, um, but then also you've got China, you've got Taiwan, you've got um, Japan, where that's rising. Uh, you've Korea. got South Korea for oh, StarCraft. Mm. It's yeah, there's I, I can't really say there's one country that dominates because if you look at at TI and ESL um, as as examples for for esports, um, it's different country, different teams, and the composition of teams that actually win those tournaments every single year.
1: So the, the teams are players from different countries. Yeah, is correct. that what you're saying? Yeah, oh, majority of them, yeah. Oh, okay. We are gonna go to Calvin Watt shortly after this break, but we've got a caller, it's a foodie. Hi. Good evening guys. to you.
0: Good evening. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> what
2: is the age limit? I'm in. <laughs>
0: well, um, I'm 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 37 today, and I'm still playing games, so I'm pretty sure you can still be in.
2: <laughs> what is the cutoff? The cutoff limit.
0: There's no cut-off limit. As, as, if you can still react and uh, you, know, you can still um, you know, play the game, I don't think there's a limit as long as you're competitive. How
2: do I, how do I train? <laughs> <laughs> what are you playing? Pac-Man? <laughs> are you, what are you playing? Eh?
0: Are you no, playing I Pac-Man? Want to
1: to play, play. I want to be part of the team.
0: So which <laughs> how, game do you specialize you in?
2: That, uh, that game.
0: It's a, it's five five players on a team.
2: Five aside. What do you click or do
0: you use a stick or what? No, you you you, you can use just use your mouse, uh, your mouse and keyboard. That's how we usually play or um, or console. Uh
2: hmm. guys, okay, send me a specimen. I just want to. Be to be roped in, please, guys. Okay, we'll
1: send you a specimen of what it's like. So, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll speak to Calvin White. We've also got Sam Wright, full time esports broadcaster, and uh, she's gonna talk to us, also give us the media perspective of esports.
0: Tabiso Musiya on SAFM. We're still talking,
1: we we are still talking about the evolution of esports, and we've got Calvin White on the line, MD uh, for Nelson Sports Africa, Middle East. Uh, Calvin, good evening, and thank you for joining us.
5: Oh, Always good to join you. How are you? you well?
1: You started this whole conversation, yes, I'm fine. You started this whole conversation about the rise of esports and you said we have to do it. I remember going to that breakfast and I was fascinated by some of the stuff that you were presenting. You actually sent us a stat today where um, the number of female gamers is growing. Just tell us more about that bit of information you sent us. Well, I actually sent
5: you, I was in Beijing last week and spent a lot of time with various of the publishers and, and the, the OTT operators, the streamers, like Tencent and... They now have some research coming out of out of China that there are 367 million women in China that are gaming, playing games either on their mobile phones, on their desktops. Um, so they are actually gaming themselves um, so, in various formats, and it's just a huge rise of the female, um, you know, taking part, a woman uh, from a gaming perspective. What's
1: what's so? What's led to that rise? Are there are there specific games for women, or I don't know. What's led yeah. to that rise?
5: Absolutely. They, they started to find that there were certain games that were really appealing to women, and they've started to develop a lot more of those games. Interestingly, a lot of the content within those games and the way that those games are manufactured allow for uh, a lot of social interaction within the gaming environment, and that's also pushed, um, they believe, um, very strongly for, for women to be part of those gaming environments. And it's uh, they're really doing incredibly well. I mean, you know, obviously... Uh, China is a very big commuter society, so a lot of it takes place while people are commuting to and from work, whether it be on trains or in buses and cars and various things. They spend a lot of time in traffic and commuting, so a lot of it is heavily built around those sort of environments uh, when when people have that time, you know, sitting down um, and, you know, uh, entertaining themselves, not sort of reading a book or anything these days, but gaming either on their phone or on their tablets. Um, and that's really what's driving it.
1: So before, they were not necessarily focused on developing games for women until they saw the gap in the market. Is that what's happened
5: here? Well, absolutely. I just think they saw the growth, and it's just really flying. So it's, it's really growing very, very big in China at the moment. Um, you know, and, and I think, as Elvan as was saying earlier, you know, that, that part of the world, Korea, China, uh, Japan, Taiwan, even down to into Southeast Asia, we've seen huge growth in, in gaming. And, and off the back of, a lot of people gaming themselves that's where the interest in esports comes along because it's effectively those people who participate in gaming that then become interested in watching um, teams like White Rabbit Gaming and, and others around the world that then participate and you know what we start to see is just this huge rise of of these pro gamers um Lee Faker, Sang Justin Wong, Yi Lang, Leaf Ping, people that you know might not be, be that well known to no. us but Soon they'll be the sort of people that we'll talk about in the same sort of breath as Michael Jordan and and Tiger Woods.
1: I know you're very big on on, on sponsorships. Is Corporate South Africa um, realizing the potential of esports here?
5: Yeah, I I think they are. They're certainly investigating it. Uh, As a business, we probably four or five times a week are getting contacted by different corporates. Some of them, even the banks, have contacted us to ask us about Tell us about this e-gaming what are the opportunities how does it work how does sponsorship work in this space um so what we're seeing you know the, the rise of what we call the non-endemic game sponsors the endemic sponsors are the people that produce technology that's used in gaming and, and you would expect them to be in that place um, but we are starting to see a lot of the non-endemic brands starting to get really interested in in that space and it's a very natural place for soft drink manufacturers even for alcohol manufacturers for for fast food, for delivery services, all those sort of things are, are are starting to make contact. But but as I said, we've even been contacted by a couple of banks recently who are very interested in the opportunity, and specifically as they're looking to interact with young male um, potential customers and, and current customers. Uh,
1: is that the target market? Because I was going to ask, what is the target market and what would be the ROI for these brands?
5: Well, you know, one of the most difficult markets, not only in South Africa, but anywhere in the world, to reach is the sort of young male with money, um, because he's he, you know he's got a lot of things that take his interest. He's a difficult person to reach from a from a sponsored marketing and advertising pers- uh, perspective, but a very important target market. So, esports is definitely in that sweet spot of that sort of 16 to 34 age group uh, with the money.
1: And how do you foresee the, 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 the rise over the next couple of years of esports, especially here in South Africa? What are you seeing? What's your magnifying glass telling you?
5: Well, I think, you know, Alvin alluded to the fact that we very, we we're right in the middle now of finalizing a, an esports fan report for, for South Africa. And I think Alvin uh, will be done sort of uh, in a week or 10 days' time. But I think, just as he was saying, we, we're seeing that South Africa is lagging behind uh, eight or 10 of the major esports nations. But certainly if we look at the pattern, the pattern is moving towards what's happened in those places. So we expect it to continue to grow very aggressively over the next two or three years in line with what we've seen in places like the United States and France and Great Britain, uh, Korea, Japan, China, in in those areas. So we're expecting very aggressive growth from a fan sport interest. um, And you know, it's really going to become mainstream over the next two to three years.
1: Great stuff. Kelvin Watt, thank you for always speaking to us. We'll bring you back when you've compiled that report. But thank you very much for joining uh, the conversation. We also joined on the line by Sam Wright. They call her tech girl. And uh, Sam is a world-renowned esports blogger, MC, um, so many titles. I don't even know which one sticks. Sam, good evening and thank you very much for your time.
6: Thank you so much for challenging me
1: and happy birthday to Alvin. Oh, yeah, you bit yeah, me yeah, to it. I thought I heard him saying, say He's turning 37 Thanks, today. Sam. Happy birthday, Alvin. Thanks. Great way to spend your birthday in studio <laughs> 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 on the radio. Sam, tell us about your career. How do you describe your role? What do you do? Are you like the sports journalist of esports?
6: No, I'm not the sports journalist. I'm more like the, the cheerleader, I like to think. Stand on the sidelines and cheer everyone on, try and get people to get excited about esports. But I basically do, I do, do some journalism as well. I write for some publications. Um, I create content, video content, and then I also I MC and I host events and I, I sit behind a desk. So I'm basically like the, the commentator, if, if you like, um, for different com- competitive
1: esports events that happen around the world. Tell us about your YouTube page. What's the page
6: about? So the YouTube page is like basically just behind the scenes. So you get a chance to, you can come and hang out and I'll show you when I go to different events or when I'm working at different events, I'll kind of give you a behind the scenes look. And then I also live stream, so like three times a week I'll do a live stream where people can actually watch me playing games and I'll talk to you and I'll showcase the game and things like that. So it's really just my specific pages like YouTube and my Twitch stream is, is about trying to give people an insight into the behind the scenes and kind of make it exciting as well because... You get to watch it, and you get to see it, and you get to see the players compete. And you kind of just get to get a a, a little backstage look, if you like, as well. Mm,
1: And you've covered a number of international events. What what are some of these high-profile events that you've covered?
6: So I've done, I'm, I'm currently working on Overwatch Contenders. So Overwatch League is a huge franchise league. So very similar to the NBA, if you like, that happens in the States. Um, and if you, if we actually change it, let's do soccer. So if it's a little bit like football. So it's like the English Premiership, but then you have the English Championship, which feeds new players into the Premiership. So Overwatch Contenders is the championship, if you like, to Overwatch League. And I've been hosting that in Europe now. I've done two seasons this year. And then I also did, we were chatting a little bit earlier about Asia. So I did something called the Crossfire All Stars, uh, their sort of world champs, if you like, at the end of last year. And I, I got to go to China and do that. So I really got to see, the Asian market and how excited they are about esports and how big the scene is there as well.
1: And I've seen tournaments. i mentioned this. They are packed. The gamers have fans. But I want a neutral view here. Are these people? Are these gamers athletes?
6: I think they are athletes. I think that if you see how much work goes into it, I, I always have a chuckle when I meet people that like maybe don't game and then they'll say, "Oh, but that's not. They're not athletes. They just play video games." And I'm like, "Have you ever played a video game?" Like most people. When you sit down and you start playing, you're not very good. I'm mean, yet to meet someone who just magically sits down and good. You've got to put hours and hours of time into it. There's so much focus involved. There's a teamwork aspect if you're playing different games where there's more than one person. I mean, think of something as, as simple, if you like, as FIFA on console. Mm. There's a lot of work that has to go into being good. When you go and play online, whether you have it on your PlayStation or your Xbox, and you decide to jump online and play... Normally you normally lose the first few times because guys put hours of working and they train, they learn strategy, they watch how other players move. All the same things that an athlete would do. And on the flip side as well, they have to sit for hours at a time. I mean, these tournaments run for 12 hours a day and they have to be focused that entire time. They've got to be able to be focused. Their mind's got to be working as fast as possible. So while they might not be running <laughs> down, down to the computer, I do definitely think that they are athletes. I think there's a lot of work involved and it's a lot harder than what it looks.
1: I'm seeing a lot of PR also in recent times. We've been receiving emails about events that are happening in and around Joburg. Uh, are, are these companies now, are people starting to realise the potential of esports?
6: I don't think enough companies in South Africa specifically have actually realised the potential yet. Um, a lot of these competitions, the tournaments, these events that you're seeing, so many of them are actually funded by the community. So you'll find that a lot of the guys, um, like the White Rabbit team, they'll, they'll be putting their own money into making sure these things happen and you can notice them. There's a couple of brands and, and sort of sponsors that are starting to say, hey, this is something we should pay attention to, those early adopters. But for the most part, the events that, that people are talking about and the events that you're seeing and these things are happening every weekend at different places, especially the smaller ones, completely community-funded. I found out the other day, actually – Today, I've been chatting to them. There's this gaming hub in Twitter where they do these monthly meetups where you can come and play. And I mean, they're organizing that themselves. They're financing it themselves. It's there and it's happening, but it's it's mainly community-driven.
1: I actually think I've seen that. Sam, thank you very much for joining the conversation. We just wanted another perspective. How do people get hold of you? I understand you also work for one of our sister stations here at the SAPC. Yes, I do. Actually,
6: I do early on a, a Sunday morning, if anyone's actually awake, I do a, a slot on 5 FM where I just chat about all the new games that are coming out. But if you want to find out more specifically about eSports and how to get into the eSports industry, then you can follow me on Twitter. That's probably the easiest. It's at today. Um, or you can visit, I, I do have a website, so it's pesco.co.za as well. And I'm happy to answer any questions and, and help people get into competitive gaming because it's an
2: awesome space to be.
1: Great stuff. Thank you. And there's a lot of money, too. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for joining us. We're going to wrap up the conversation after this quick break.
0: Hashtag SAFM Sport On.
1: Wrapping up with White Rabbit Gaming. Alvin, I want to come to you. Um, do you belong Does do you belong to a federation? How does it work? Or do you just guys do your own thing?
0: No, that's the beauty of esports. There's no federations. Uh-huh. Um, it's completely open. Um, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, the World Esports Games, WSG, yeah. that was hosted by Alibaba in, uh, in China earlier. Um, I mean, the only requirement that that, that you had from there was that you that all your players had to come from one country, but you didn't have to belong to any organization. Um, And that's generally all big tournaments, major tournaments in the world. Majority of them like ESL, um, like Dota, the international, all of those things. you, You can be from anywhere in the world. As long as you've got five people that can play together that do well, you can enter.
1: I once spoke to some guys that spin cars in Soweto. And I'm I'm not making this up. They spin cars for a living. That's what they do. And they've been fighting to be recognized by the sports department as a sport. They want to be in the budgets of sports and recreation. Do you guys want to be recognized? Is it a big yeah, thing? For that's,
0: a, that's a difficult question. I think um, the, the short answer from my side is no. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter if, uh, if eSports is recognized as an official team or whatever. Because, I mean, it doesn't matter to us. You know, we can play internationally whenever and wherever we want. Well, I've actually have got pro-tier colors, technically.
3: You do? Yeah, for, for, for Dota 2. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah.
1: You've got a blazer. You no, got a, a blazer.
3: i got a certificate. you got a
4: certificate. Yeah.
1: Wow. And on that note, uh, Gavin or Wesley, who are some of the top players in the country?
4: Uh, you can start. Besides you two? Well, <laughs> if we're touching on, like, in general, like, um, I remember in StarCraft, uh, there was a guy named PandaTank. Like, he used to, like the best StarCraft player in South Africa, and he got picked up by CM Storm internationally. That's one. Um, uh, Bravado Gaming, the CSGO team, they actually went overseas to the United States to like try and make it there. Uh, locally, people like Black Poison. Um, who
3: else? Um, when it, c- it comes to the Dota side, we've, there's a few players that have actually moved to Southeast Asia to pursue the stream and... Uh, They've actually had some reasonable success. So I would say them would yeah. be Travis Castaway Waters, uh, Donny Texaria, and uh, Mark Lele.
1: Yeah. I was about to ask, you were telling us off-air about a guy that's in Germany now?
0: Yeah, Ben Yeah, Ben Yeah, So
1: he lives there now. He's... He makes a living out of Germany. Yep, as that's a professional uh, esports player.
0: Yep, uh, not a, not a player. You know, he he does more of the um, more of, more of the stats um, oh. and the, the things behind it. Yeah.
1: Oh, so there's there's much more to it than just playing.
0: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: I was waiting for this question to come. I knew it was going to come. It's coming from the great one on Twitter. What about doping, owner? How do you monitor them from doping?
0: so there's 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 no rules on doping um, really? currently. it's a completely unregulated space although i do think that's changing because there are um, conversations that they want to include it in the um i think in the 2028 olympics and then we all know it's getting very strict but from our side we we control it very strictly from an organizational point of view so um we do have in our contracts that the player signed that you know if if a player is caught doping or whatever there's there's massive repercussions for them but um I know there's, the, 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 yeah, I mean, it it could happen at any time. And I think it's up to the organizations to actually ensure that it doesn't.
1: And you, t- you spoke about the Olympics. I've read about this somewhere. Who's pushing for the inclusion in the Olympics? Is it the gamers themselves or is it the Olympic body?
0: I think it's uh, it's it's probably like your your um your repre- your representative bodies um that that actually want uh, teams to be included, and that will be made up from you know from organisations uh, you know people in the industry players um, bodies that get established themselves.
1: Same thing as skateboard because they're trying to get that into the Olympics yeah. also, and I know those guys have been pushing really hard. We should get them actually to come and talk to us about that. Here's another question for the players. Does your family know that this is what you do for a living <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. um, my family fully support me i mean i'm twenty five so I've been doing this for quite a while, and um yeah, they support me fully
4: okay oh, well, mine's uh, it's a bit edgy, but they they do support me, but they are a bit against it still, so it is kind of rough like convincing them like this is like actually like a thing to be going into, so it has its rough side, I guess, but. Yeah. It's a passion of mine. So,
1: And and what's the career spin for a player?
4: Well, as a player, I would say um, up until, like, I would say not older than 32. I think that's kind of like your cutoff limit. But then after that, you can get involved in esports. Like, you can work in an organization. And I think that's kind of where we're going to. And like that's where I see myself in the future as well.
1: Alvin, here's another question for you. Are you aiming to take this to previously disadvantaged communities? How is the response in disadvantaged communities? Are the players that are coming out of there?
0: Oh, I'm really glad that's being asked because it's definitely a focus for us. Where we want to move in. Um, logistically, it's a bit of a challenge um, because PC gaming you can't really take into there. But what we are looking at at the moment is console specifically um, because it's much easier to get uh, get into the, the, the previous dis- previously disadvantaged communities for console because we can literally pack up a bunch of consoles and go Um, and I do believe that there's a lot of untapped talent out there that we still need to scout but yeah it it definitely is on the cards for WRG. Mm.
1: Okay the last one Zwai is trying to wrap his his head around this. Do you play with a PC, do you play with a console, do you play on your
0: phone? It's a bit of a combination of both so from White Rabbit gaming side we've got uh, competitive teams on PC. And then we've got a competitive team on console as well. Mobile gaming with uh, the internet in South Africa at the moment, not that big yet.
1: Finally, how do people get hold of you? How do they follow your progress? How do they watch?
0: Yeah, you can, th- Our biggest uh, biggest following sits on Facebook. So you can find us on facebook.com forward slash WRabbitGaming. And then on Twitter as well, at um, WRabbitGaming. And then you can also check out our website on www.whiterabbitgaming.com
1: great stuff gentlemen thank you very much for coming to studio we are educated here yeah. we've learned so much that we didn't know alvin fenter thank you very much wesley rose and kevin nelson will you. follow your progress thanks, thanks. please keep us updated <coughs> thanks for having us that's all the time we have thank you luyolo thank you sylvester Koma, and on social media coming up next is mr ashraf gada with the viewpoint eleanor susulu writer human rights activist and political analyst is the big hitter more sport in the morning on sunrise with zai khan on Stephen on Stephen hortus's show my name is Tap with some Masiya news is up next.